welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, welcome to the first Sunday in July, right? Can you believe it's already July? Man, man, I don't know about your family, but for my family, July is a really busy month. July is action-packed. We have celebrations, events, anniversaries. Actually, July is my birthday month. Thank you. July 17th, to be exact. And in case you were wondering, I love Reese's peanut butter cups, okay? That's my jam. So uh, that, that's my thing. Uh, my daughter, Stella, her birthday is tomorrow, July 3rd, and she loves Teslas. So if you have an extra Tesla laying around, I'm sure she'd love that. But, um, but yeah, man, July is always a busy month. Actually, this July is a monumental July for uh, Kim and I. We celebrate 24 years of marriage. Yeah. And it's a long time. It's a long time. It's weird because I'm only 35. You know, it's... Um, but we celebrate 24 years on July 24, and uh, I was informed by Kim that's called a golden anniversary. Any of you ever heard of that term? Okay, I did not, all right? I had never heard of that term. In fact, I told, Kim, I, said, I, told, I told Kim, I said, no, that's our Griffey anniversary. Because my favorite baseball player of all time is Ken Griffey Jr. He was number 24, and we were celebrating 24. I said, it's our Griffey anniversary, but we decided to compromise, and so we're calling it our golden anniversary. <laughs> that's called a marriage compromise, right? So, uh, so that's, how, that's how we're doing it. But, uh, but July is always a busy month for us. Uh, we have an action-packed month in store here at CFA, lots of, lots of stuff going on. Every Sunday, of course, we have worship, the word. Uh, we have barbecues, picnics, events, stuff for the kids. At the end of July, we have a backpack drive. Our aim as a church is to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our community, and so we have a backpack drive to help uh, families and students in need. And actually, we have a lot of events. So we have an events card in the lobby. You can grab that, check it out. Maybe an event will resonate with you, something you want to get involved in, something you want to connect with, and we would just love for you to jump in and be a part of what God is doing at CFA. And so I'm really excited because today we're launching our new series. I'm very excited about this series called Proverbs Wise Words. Proverbs Wise Words. And the book of Proverbs is actually a book of wisdom. And that's why we're calling this Proverbs Wise Words. Now, I've shared this a couple times, but the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. The month of July has 31 days. Now, I am not a mathematician. But if my math, I always tell people there's three types of people in this world, those who know math and those who don't. Some of you will get that in a moment. Anyway, but so you guys are a tough crowd today, man. Some of you are like, no, your jokes just aren't funny. You know what I mean? But, but listen, listen, I'm not a mathematician, but if my math is right, I believe that comes out to be about a proverb a day, right? 31 proverbs, 31 days in July. And so we encourage you, jump in and read proverbs with us. It's great to come into church on Sunday, but I think we need the Word of God on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. And so this is a great opportunity to jump in, read Proverbs with us. We have a Bible reading group, as Bill talked about. You can jump in to that. If you want to read on your own, that's okay, too. I just think the aim is that we grow. The aim is that we grow. And so this summer, we're praying for you. We're praying that you have moments to rest this summer because rest is spiritual. 
Rest is biblical. We should rest. We pray you have moments to refresh. Scripture talks about times of refreshing. We should have that. But we're also praying that we have moments that we grow, (laughs) that we grow in the word of God, that we grow in wisdom, that we grow as we dive into the book of Proverbs. And so we are excited about this series. I'm excited because today I'm going to share with you my favorite proverb, I'm going to share with you one of my top five favorite verses in the entire Bible. I love this verse. Uh, This is a verse that has shaped my spiritual formation in many ways. This is a verse that uh, I try and pray over my life every morning. Not always do I do it, but I try to pray it over my life every morning, and I think it will be an encouragement to you. And that's Proverbs 3, 5, but I'll get into that in a moment, but before I do, I want to give you just a brief overview to the book of Proverbs. Can I do that? Just give you a brief overview of Proverbs. So Proverbs, the majority of Proverbs, I should say, is written by a man named Solomon. Solomon. And scholars attest that Solomon wrote chapters 1 through chapters 29. Other authors, they attest, wrote 30 and 31. But if you didn't know, Solomon is the son of King David. And Solomon, to kind of sum it up short, to sum it up quick, Solomon was kind of the man, okay? Solomon was like the guy. Uh, Solomon was strong. Solomon was good-looking. Solomon was smart. I mean, there's so few of us out there these days, you know what I mean? (laughs) Somewhere my wife is rolling her eyes. Where is she at? There there she is. (laughs) But but Solomon is kind of the man. And and so uh, Solomon is actually said to be the wisest person to ever live. Now, I know some people who think they're the wisest person to ever live, but Solomon actually was. In fact, we also know that Solomon was the wealthiest person to ever live. Uh, Scholars today suggest that Solomon's wealth in American dollars would be three trillion. Three trillion dollars. That means if you took Forbes' top 50 wealthy people in the world and added up all their wealth combined, Solomon would have more. That's the kind of wealth Solomon had. So Solomon knows a lot about money and and how to handle money. Uh, In fact, in Ecclesiastes 5.10, Solomon makes a statement. He says, the person who loves riches will end up despising riches. The great theologian, Notorious B.I.G., said, mo' money, mo' problems, right? (laughs) Right? Right, kind of a different era, different words, but kind of the same heart, right? So Solomon understands that he had wealth, he had that, but he said that's not all there is. And so Solomon talks a lot about money, and we'll find that out in the book of Proverbs. As you dive into Proverbs, you'll, you'll see that he talks about money. In fact, I I say in Proverbs, there's really three W's that Solomon deals with throughout the book. There's probably more than that, but I like to summarize it to three W's. He talks about wealth, he talks about work, and he talks about wisdom. Wealth, work, and wisdom. A lot of the things we think about in our everyday lives, isn't that true? The primary focus of Proverbs, of course, is wisdom as it's a book of wisdom, And I find it interesting, I find it ironic, church, that we live in a day and age where there's more information than we've ever had before. We live in a day and age where there's more knowledge than there's ever been before, and yet one could argue we live in a day and age where society has less wisdom than it's ever had before. We need wisdom in our lives. 
See, knowledge is not wisdom, and wisdom is not knowledge. They're two different things. Knowledge has to do with intellect. It has to do with what we know. Wisdom has to do with application. It has to do with how well we apply what we know to our lives. They're two very different things. And Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and it helps us grow in wisdom for life. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but by a show of hands, how many of us could use a little more wisdom in our life? Listen, husbands, if your hand is not raised, you might get an elbow in the ribs. Uh, it's like, honey, that was for you, okay? But we, we can all grow in wisdom, wisdom in raising our kids, wisdom on our job, wisdom for things we should do, wisdom on things we should not do, wisdom on when to speak up, wisdom on when to listen up, right? We need wisdom in our everyday life. And so I'm excited to jump into this series, and my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for all of us is that through these couple months of summer, we would grow in wisdom, that we would have our vacation, that we would have our time at the lake, that we would kick our feet up and spend some time resting and relaxing, but that we'd also grow in wisdom and take advantage of the opportunity we have. Amen? So let's jump into this with no further ado. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I want to read this out of the New King James Version because that's how I learned it. How many of you know when you memorize a verse in one translation, it's almost impossible to memorize it in another. Like the words come out all jumbled and all messed up. And so, so I want to share this out of the New King James Version. It reads in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Focus on verse 5. That's going to be the one we hone in on today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you would stand up with me, let's take a moment and pray. And then I just want to share with you a message simply called trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for our time together. We thank you for this 4th of July weekend that we live in a country that we can come together and worship you freely. And we're thankful for that today. We don't take that for granted. We know others don't have that freedom. Lord, we pray today that as we dive into the word, as we dive into Proverbs, that you would help us grow in godly wisdom. That we would grow in wisdom, that that would propel our lives. That, Lord, we would look back years from now, even on this summer, that as we dove into this book, as we dove into the study, you helped develop wisdom in our life that it exponentially helped us for our future. Lord, I pray today that you would help us trust in you with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Guide us, grow us, lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Go ahead and have a seat. You can turn to somebody and tell them, I'm getting an ice cream bar. Because that's the wise thing to do. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I always say calories don't count on holidays, so Go ahead and eat an ice cream bar or nine, all right? Listen, uh, when, I was in, uh, when I was in junior high school, uh, I skipped school for the very first time. Yeah, I just admitted it. Your pastor's a skipper. But I skipped school for the first time. Now, I, I, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about me. I was a pretty good kid in school, all right? No, I, I was, I was. 
I didn't get in a whole lot of trouble, but, but I did. The, the trouble I consistently got in was talking in class. Any of you talkers in class? Yeah, yeah. I, every report card that came home, I would sweat bullets because I knew every teacher would remark the same thing, that Matt talks too much in class. True story, I had a teacher, Mrs. Augsburger. Uh, she actually pulled me aside one time, and she said, Matt, you talk too much in class. And then she said, what do you think you're going to do for a living? Talk? I mean, if preaching's talking, Mrs. Augsburger. Anyway. But anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So when, when, I was in, when I was in junior high school, I skipped school for the very first time. And uh, I can still remember this day because it was field day. And I don't know why I skipped field day because field day was one of my favorite days. I don't know why I did that. But I remember that morning, a friend of mine named Jordan, he came up to me. And Jordan was an eighth grader. I was a seventh grader. And if you have forgotten, there is a pecking order in junior high, right? Eighth graders, they're like icons. <laughs> and seventh graders, we were, we were like peons, <laughs> you know. They called us sevies. That's all I remember. It's called a sevy all year. And so Jordan came up to me, and Jordan was one of those kids that was in eighth grade, but looked like he just graduated from the University of Washington. You know what I mean? Jordan had a goatee. Jordan had biceps. Uh, Jordan had a deep voice. I, on the other hand, I was like, hi, my name's Matthew. You know what I mean? Like, I was still growing up. And, and so Jordan, somehow Jordan and I were unlikely friends. And, and so Jordan came up to me, and he said, hey, do you want to skip school with us today? And I remember my, my soul was like, no. But my lips said, okay. <laughs> you know, all right. And so, so we, we skipped school. And I remember this was the most boring day I've ever had in my life. Because remember, we're in junior high school. We can't drive. What are we going to do? You know what I mean? And so I, I kid you not. What the, the highlight of the day is we went to QFC. I'm serious. We went to QFC for like an hour and a half, and we picked out chocolate milk, and, you know, we, we sat on the bench. Jordan was with his girlfriend, so the entire time I feel like this third wheel, and I'm like, I wish I would have gone to field day. So, so here's where the story gets interesting. So we're walking back to the school, and what I didn't know is my mom got off work early that day, and so she drove by me, Jordan, and his girlfriend walking to the school. So we get to the school. We have this perfect plan that the buses are going to let out, and, you know, we're going to kind of mix in with the students. No one will ever know we skipped. And so I do that. We get to the car, and we start driving home. And again, my mom now knows I skipped school because she saw me walking up. I wasn't on the bus. She knew it. And so she starts asking me, how was field day? And I'm like, oh, it was good. It was, it was good. She's asking me, like, more questions. Like, what games did you play? And I'm, like, trying to think of games. What do you play? Like, uh, dodgeball. You know, like, duck, duck, goose. No, that's too young. That was, like, third grade. I don't know. What did we play? She starts asking me, like, what friends were on your team? And I'm, like, thinking of my friends as quick as I can. I'm like, oh, Ryan, uh, you know, then I'm losing track of my mind, and I'm like, Peter, James, John. I'm like, no, those are the disciples. I'm like, I have no idea. Who was I with? And, 
And so I'm just trying to think of, of anybody I was with. And then she finally says, she finally says, you know, it's interesting you were on a team for field day. And I said, why? She said, because you weren't at field day. And my jaw dropped, right? I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I always thought my mom had like a direct line to God because every mom has a direct line to God. But at this moment, I'm thinking maybe my mom speaks to God audibly. Like, you know, maybe, maybe he told her, I don't know how she knows this. Come to find out, she tells me she saw us walking up to the school and I got in so much trouble. <laughs> uh, I remember I was grounded for so long in fact, I just got off my grounding last week, so I'm now, I'm now free. And, and I remember I had to write a letter to the school apologizing for skipping school. Then I got detention again. Then my friends got in trouble, so that was even worse because of me. And, uh, and, and I learned a couple lessons that day. I learned a couple lessons. The first lesson I learned has really nothing to do with my message, but it's good. The first lesson I learned is this, is you can spend a lifetime building trust, and you can break it in a moment. You can spend a lifetime building trust, and in a moment, it can break. Isn't that true? The second lesson I learned, and this does have to do with our topic today, and that is this, that any healthy relationship is built on trust. Any healthy relationship we have is built on trust. A healthy marriage is built on, a healthy family is built on trust. Uh, healthy business partnerships are based on trust. We see healthy teams, of course, at work and in sports. Healthy teams are built on trust. How many times in sports have we seen a team will stack itself with talent only to find that that team lacks chemistry? They don't trust each other on the field. They don't trust each other on the court, i.e. the Denver Broncos last year. Anyway, um, no, I'm just kidding. But, but, but they lack trust in one another, and, and they underperform. And that's because every healthy relationship in our life is built on trust. And I share this today because if we desire to have a healthy relationship with Jesus, it will be built on our trust in the Lord. If we want a healthy, thriving, growing relationship with Jesus, it will be founded on, built upon us trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, leaning not on our own understanding. Waking up every day, making it our aim. We're not perfect, making it our goal, though, that today I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. And listen, this is so easy for me to preach on a Sunday, yet so difficult for us to live on a Monday, isn't it? This is so easy to say in church, but it's so difficult to live in everyday life. It's difficult to trust because we face issues, we face times in our life where our, our trust is challenged, right? And let's be honest, sometimes it's easier to lean on our own understanding than it is to trust in God. Isn't that true? I mean, our own understanding is what's right in front of us. Our own understanding is, is everything we see, everything we feel, everything we touch, everything right there. And sometimes it can be easier to just lean on our own understanding. And yet we know in our hearts we're better off when we trust in the Lord. We know in our souls that God has our best interests in mind, and we know we should trust in the Lord because God sees things we don't. All we see is today, God's already in tomorrow. 
all we see is this life, God sees eternity. And sometimes it could seem so much easier to lean on our own understanding. But we need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, knowing he has our best interests in mind. And church, let me tell you, this is a daily challenge. This is not easy. This is a daily choice we have to make. Am I going today lean on my own understanding? Or am I today going to trust in the Lord? Daily we have to make that choice. I propose to you that we lean on our own understanding more often than we even think we do. I, be, I believe I, you, we lean on our own understanding so much more than we think we do. How many of you have ever asked somebody this question? Maybe somebody is going through a, a decision they're making, they're thinking about something they're gonna do, and you'll say this to them. I've said it. You'll say, what is your heart telling you to do? Anyone say that? I've said it. And it sounds so spiritual. It does, it sounds so good, doesn't it? It's like, ooh, as soon as it gets out of your mouth, you're like, whew, that was good. But do you know what the Bible says about our hearts? Scripture says our hearts can deceive us. Scripture tells us our hearts are deceptive. And so maybe a better thing to tell someone trying to make a decision isn't what is your heart telling you to do, but have you prayed about that? Have you opened up God's word and said what God's word has to say about that? Have you spent some time meditating on that with the Lord? What, what is he saying? How about this? I say this one all the time to people. I say this all the time. What do you feel like you should do? Any of you ever say that? Someone not sure whether to go this way or whether to go that way, and you're trying to help, and you say, what do you feel you should do? Well, feelings are our own understanding. And feelings are real. I'm not here denying feelings. We have feelings, and our feelings are real, and yet our feelings lie to us all the time, don't they? The other day, I felt like eating five Reese's peanut butter cups. And so I did. And they were delicious for a moment. And then I felt sick because our feelings are very real, yet our feelings will lie to us all the time too. And somewhere down the line, we have to make a decision. Are we gonna live our life based off how we feel? Or are we gonna live life based off faith in the word of God? Are we gonna trust in the Lord with all of our heart? Or are we gonna lean on our own understanding? Because our life, our legacy, and our destiny will be determined with how we answer that question. Will we trust in the Lord? Or will we lean on our own understanding? And it is a daily challenge. It is a daily choice we have to make. And listen, church, I don't know about you, but I can sleep a little bit better at night. I don't know about you, but I can rest a little bit easier each day knowing the God of the universe loves me and is looking out for me. Come on, I don't know about you, but I can rest a little bit better each night knowing that God cares about me and is guiding my every step. And even though I don't always understand what God is doing, even though I don't always feel like God is there, I have faith that says God is there. And so I wanna make it my aim every day to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on Matt's understanding. And it's a daily choice you and I have to make. I wanna share with you a quick acronym on the word trust. A quick acronym on the word trust. Somebody say trust. trust. How to trust 
God, how to T-R-U-S-T God. I'm just going to share with you a few things that have helped me, that I hope help you. How to T-R-U-S-T God. The first T there for trust, turn to God. Turn to God. If we are going to trust in God, then I think it's reasonable to say we need to turn to God. If we're going to trust in God, we need to turn to God. Let me ask you this question. What do you turn to when life gets difficult? Don't answer out loud. (laughs) That could be dangerous. (laughs) What do you turn to? Because I propose to you what you turn to is ultimately what you trust in. Let me ask you this. Who do you turn to when life gets difficult? Do you turn to your friends? I do. I think we need good friends when life is difficult. That's why we have church. That's why we have a community. We need that. Do you turn to family? I I do. I need my family when I face difficult times. Do you turn to counselors and specialists? I do. I think we need people in our life to help us through life's difficult moments. But my question today is, do we also turn to God? Because I find many times, even as believers, God is the last one we turn to. And if we trust in God, we'll turn to God because whoever you trust in, you'll turn to. And so if we want to be people who trust in the Lord, then I think our default, our first step whenever we're facing difficult times is going to God, turning to God, seeing what he has to say about this. Uh, A few months ago when uh, Kim faced her health crisis, when uh, she had life-threatening pneumonia, uh, we had no choice but to turn to God. I mean, Right? I mean, it was like, wow. And it's interesting because the doctors, the experts, they were doing everything they knew to do, but they, they didn't have any answers at that moment. Our friends, our family, they were there. And let me tell you, I am so thankful for amazing friends and family that are supportive. I'm thankful for this church family. Just give it up for you today. You're an amazing church. Yeah, yeah, you're like, me, you should. Clap for yourself. You're amazing. But this is an amazing church family. You guys were here. In fact, we had meals every night. (laughs) My youngest daughter, Lainey, uh, she said to me, she said, Dad, I really want mom to get better, but can we keep having people deliver meals to our house because I've eaten better than I've ever eaten in my life? (laughs) But but people were here for us. People were, were there. And yet, wouldn't we all agree that when you're facing a difficult time, there's only so much somebody can do? And in those moments, we had to turn to God. And I remember being in that hospital room. I remember putting in my AirPods so many times, turning on Maverick City worship and just worshiping. Just lifting my arms up in the air, tears falling down from my face. Just, Jaira, you are enough. Even when when nothing felt like enough. I remember opening up my Bible, reading, God, give me a word for this moment we're in. I remember praying more than I've ever prayed in my life, and I'm a pastor, okay? I remember one time being in the hospital lobby on my knees praying. People are walking by me, looking at me weird. I didn't care. When you face moments of difficult times, you could care less what anybody else thinks. 
And what's interesting, when I turned to God, God began to turn something around in me. And he began to take my fear and turn it into some faith. He began to take my panic and turn it into prayer. He took my worry and he turned it into worship. Why? Because what God does is when you turn to him, he does begin to turn something around in your soul. James 4, 8 says, as we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. And when you turn to God, you can trust that God meets you and he's there with you. And if we're going to be people who say we trust God, then we need to turn to God. i got to get through this or we'll be here three hours. The R for the word trust. Remember all the times God has come through. If we're going to trust God, remember all the times that God has come through for you. If you're facing a difficult time right now, this moment, this is a word specifically for you. Remember all the times God has come through for you before. And the same God who was with you yesterday is with you today and he'll be with you tomorrow. The same God who came through for you then will come through for you now and he'll come through for you tomorrow as well. A little application to this, I think all of us, I'd encourage all of us to start a prayer journal, some type of notebook where we start writing down our prayer requests. Write down your prayer needs, big and small. Write down all the things you're praying for, believing God for. Why? Because you will begin to see how God answers those things. And oftentimes, God answers prayers and we forget. <laughs> we move on to the next. And write those things down. Watch how God moves in your life. And watch this. Your prayer journal of today will become your faith chronicle for tomorrow. What you'll do tomorrow when you're facing a difficult time, you'll go back and you'll flip through these things and be like, God came through for me then financially. God came through in that job. He came through with my kids. You'll begin to realize God came through for you then and it will build your faith that he's gonna come through for you again in the future because the same God who came through for you yesterday is with you right now. He's with you tomorrow and we need to remember all the times God has come through. Amen? T, turn to God. R, remember all the times God has come through. U, this is my favorite one. Understand you will not always understand. Understand you will not always understand. And this might sound simple, and this might sound kind of elementary, but I propose to you this is profound. <laughs> like this is a game changer. Because if our prerequisite to trust God is we always have to understand, then we will never Trust God, because there will be things that go on in our lives that we will never fully understand. And if we're going to trust God, then we have to realize there are some things that we just won't understand. And understand, we will not always understand. Some things in life you won't understand until years or decades later. I know I've shared in length about this church, God launching this church. For 10 years, God gave this vision to Kim and I, and for 10 years, we were like, Right? Like, Lord? <laughs> Hello? God, where are you? Uh, did you change your mind? <laughs> For 10 years, we wondered, where was the Lord in all of this? And it isn't until over a decade later that I look back on moments where I thought God was absent that now I see his fingerprints on things I didn't see before. 
It's not until years later that I look back over 10 years in moments that I thought God was distant that I realized he is closer than he ever was then. He was protecting me. He was guiding me. He was leading me. He was doing things I wasn't even aware of at the moment. Some things in life you'll never understand. Some things in life you won't understand until years later. But will you still trust God today? Will you still trust him now? All of us have prayed that real real eloquent, articulate prayer. Why, God? Right? We've all prayed it. God, why? I prayed that prayer more this year than any other year of my life. And this year isn't even over yet. Why, God? Why? Why is this happening? What's going on? And what's interesting is, what's amazing is God's so gracious, he meets us in our why God prayer. He's there. In fact, the Psalms, half the Psalms are why God prayers. Scripture tells us that he's near to the brokenhearted. When you cry out why, God meets you in your why God prayer. But can I also say this? I think at some point in time, our why God prayer has to also become a what now God prayer. Our why God prayer at some point has to turn to a what now? What do you have now? Somewhere we have to come down to a place where we realize, God, I understand. I will not always understand. And I won't know why, but I know there's still a plan and a purpose for me on this planet. I know you still have a reason for my existence. I know you still have a plan even in the midst of my why. So what now? Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, what do you have for me now? And I think in life, if we're going to trust God, we need to understand we're not always going to understand. And be okay with those why God moments, but in those moments also ask the question, what now? What do you have for me right now? The last couple letters, S. If we're gonna trust God, S, we need to surrender to Jesus daily. Surrender to Jesus daily. And the key word there is daily. Daily, daily, Jesus, my life is yours. My life is yours. Look what Paul says in Romans 12.1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. He uses the word worship. Evidently, Paul seems to think worship has less to do with the songs we sing and more to do with the life we live. Evidently, Paul seems to think that worship has less to do with the melodies we make and more to do with the choices we make in our everyday life. That that's what worship is all about, trusting God. That's true worship. And he uses this term living sacrifice. This is fascinating because I promise you, as soon as the church in Rome heard him say living sacrifice, heard what was written, all of their eyebrows perked like, what? What you talking about, Paul? Because their context was a dead sacrifice. Before Jesus came, how would they atone for their sins? They would would sacrifice an animal. The animal's dead. It would stay on the altar. The sin would be atoned. Living sacrifice? Well, what's the challenge of a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice has to willingly place itself on the altar. A living sacrifice always wants to crawl off the altar and do what it wants to do. 
And so Paul's saying this new life that I'm calling you to live, this thing called the way, it's not what you think it is. It's offering your life as a living sacrifice, daily surrendering to God, daily putting yourself on the altar, saying, Jesus, is not my way, it's your way. I trust you. I trust you. God, you know what my way is all about. I've tried to live my way. That hasn't worked out. I trust you in your way. Lord, you know what my will is all about. My spouse always tells me I'm strong-willed. She tells you. He tells you, you know. But I lay my will down, God, for your will. What do you have for me? God, you know what my plan is. I've been writing my plan down for five years. I have a mission statement. I have a business plan. But God, it's not about my plan anymore. What is your plan for my life? That is what a life of surrender looks like. That is what a life of trusting God looks like. Putting ourselves on the altar saying, God, you know my plans and you know my desires and you know my prayers, but I submit them to your desires, your will, and your way in my life. That's what trusting God looks like. And the final T in this, this is just real practical, but take life one day at a time. Trust God one day at a time. If we're going to trust God, learn to take life one day at a time. I don't know about you, but the times I find myself uh, lacking trust is a time I start futurizing things is the time I start getting way ahead and asking questions like, what if? Or what will happen if? And I get too ahead of today. But I think trust is built on taking life, focusing on life, trusting God one day at a time. Matthew 6, verse 34, pretty familiar verse. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that true? Now, the context of this in Matthew 6, I think it's 28 or 29, Jesus is actually talking about birds. (laughs) Jesus would always use simple things and metaphors to describe deep concepts. And he says, look at the birds. They don't reap. They don't sow. He says, and yet God looks after them. He says, how much more will God look after you? And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. In essence, he says, focus on today. Take life one day at a time. In Matthew 10, Jesus is at it again, only this time he's talking about a sparrow. Evidently, Jesus is on a bird binge or something. But he talks about a sparrow, and he says, look at the sparrow. It's a common bird, not too valuable. He says, yet God watches over it. How much more will God watch over you? In fact, he uses this metaphor. He actually uses this this declaration. He says that God loves us so much that he knows the amount of hairs that are on our head. For some of us, that's easier to count than others. But the focus is that God loves us. He cares for us. He's there for us. Why are we so worried about tomorrow? Take life one day at a time. Trust God one day at a time. I find it fascinating, even the Lord's Prayer. If you know the Lord's Prayer, isn't it fascinating what Jesus says in the middle of that prayer? He says, give us this day our daily bread. Why didn't he say tomorrow? Why didn't he say next month, next year? Because Jesus was an expert on being present in the moment. Because he realizes that if we're going to trust God, it's one day at a time. 
The moment you get further than today, and I'm not talking vision, I'm talking about worry, I'm talking about stress, I'm talking about angst, it's good to have a vision for tomorrow. But as soon as we start getting too far in front of God, that trust meter starts running low. Because God didn't design us to focus on tomorrow. He designed us to focus on today and trust him today. And the same way he provides for your needs today, he'll take care of your needs tomorrow. And that is what trust is all about. How do we trust God? T, we turn to God. R, we remember all the ways God's come through for us. U, we understand. We will not always understand. S, we surrender to Jesus every day. And T, we take life one day at a time. If you would, would you stand up with me? want to pray. Just where you're at, if you could just bow your heads, close your eyes, just everyone praying. I just want to take a quick moment and just ask you to search your heart and just ask you, have you put your trust in Jesus? And I don't mean, do you trust him daily or each day or because that's the next step. But the first step is you have to put your life in Jesus' hands. You have to say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need you. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. None of this is based off religion or church attendance or checking boxes. All of this is based on a genuine relationship with Jesus. Jesus came to this earth. He lived. He died. He rose again. And because of it, we can have life in him. And if maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus, that's where all of this starts. That's where all of this begins by surrendering your life, saying, Jesus, I've done it my way. I want to do it your way. I want a new life. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, it's just between you and God. If you say, I want to come to Jesus for the first time, or I need to come back to him, would you just slip your hand up and back down again? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, thank you. Hand, yeah, yeah, I see you. I see you. Give a few more seconds. I, I, wanna, I, I need to come back to him. I need him. I'm lacking trust because I'm relying on myself. I need him. All right, last, last thing I want to pray for, and then I'm going to pray in a moment. If you say, I need trust in this season of my life, this is one of those seasons. Trust me, I, I think I have a grace to pray over this. I just came out of a season like this. And if you say, I am being pressed, pushed, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, the level of trust in my life is, is being push to the limit, and I'm facing a difficult time, a difficult season, would you just slip your hand up and back down? Just slip that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically 99% of us. I want to take a moment. I want to pray. I want to first of all pray. If you prayed that prayer and you want to come to Jesus and you want to come back to him, I just want all of us just right here just to say, Jesus, I love you. I give you my life. I surrender to you. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for loving me when I ran from you. I put my trust in you today. And now I just want to take a moment, and I just want to pray for all of us. If you're comfortable, can you just lift your hands up just as an act of surrender, just as an act of receiving from God? Lord, I pray for every single person in this room, Lord, who's facing a season of difficulty right now, a season that's testing every cell and fiber in their soul and their being feel like they're being torn apart, feel like they're being tormented, up late at night, stressed out, up early in the morning, stressed out. I pray, Lord, that the peace that surpasses all understanding would guard hearts and minds in Christ Jesus right now. Lord, I pray that there would be a supernatural trust 
that would come over your church right now, that we would trust you in a new way, that we would walk away today, not that our life has changed in any way, but that we have changed. And because we have changed, God, we could have a new trust and a new confidence and a new faith in who you are and what you have for our lives. We put our trust in you right now. Just, I wanna give just like 10, 20 seconds just on your own, just in your own soul, just lay that thing down. Just lay that thing down. You don't need to carry that burden anymore. He's got it. He's got you. He's a God you can trust in. Others have let you down. God will not let you down. Lord, I just thank you for all that you do. I thank you for all that you are. Help us each day to trust in you by your grace. In Jesus' name. And everyone who loved Jesus said, amen, amen, amen.